being able to have a visual figure of even just a fraction of how awesome Jesus is with Valjean, and just his whole interaction with Fantine. Fantine? Or is it Fantine? Fantine. Fantine. Josh, I think the French would, would roast you at the at the stake because of your butchering yeah. of their names. Yeah, I, I'm thankful they're across an ocean right now. That's, that's it. They can get to you. Hello there. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Talk to me, Goose. Precious. You a declaration of independence. Why, so I could do this all day. Are you watching closely? Welcome everybody to the One-Eyed Film Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Mossberg, and I got Josh and Annika here. Annika is my sister, and she is joining the podcast for the first time, mostly because she's a theater nerd. (laughs) Um, No, she is heavily into the theater business she's actually in the the um what's it called costume shop costume shop i was thinking wardrobe Mm -hmm. but yes costume shop at her college working on designing costumes which she's really good at so we're here to talk today about les mis and josh hopped on for some reason (laughs) because apparently he likes it too it's a (laughs) i like good movies and les mis is a good movie i'd say it's top 10 (laughs) of all time for me it's a great movie also, I want to address the elephant in the room. This is actually a green screen. You could put elephant right there as I say that line. That'd be really fun. <laughs> I've been putting you in the office talking headroom. I don't know how that's that, going to work with the green I screen. I think that's perfect. You had said something <laughs> that I actually think is a little controversial. <laughs> you said Lame is is one of the top 10 movies of all times. And I think you're highly contested there because it's not the story. I, I totally, I totally agree the story is probably top 10 very high up there i would like to defer to annika <laughs> for saying that the movie <laughs> is incredible and top tier and i don't know why i know there's com- there's complications and frustrations but like why why is it not as highly praised as any other musical any other movie any other like version of lame is even i would argue that you need to go listen to norm lewis singing stars <laughs> and tell me that that is in any way on the same plane as Russell Crowe being offbeat for half of the movie. I think Les Mis the movie is on the better side of movie adaptations of musicals because especially because they took some Broadway stars and actually included them in the cast like Samantha Barks who plays Eponine and Aaron Tveit who plays Angera are actually consistent theatrical workers and I think that you can definitely see that difference in quality while Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman and Eddie, whatever his last name is, they're all very talented singers. The music in Les Mis is so difficult because it's so well-written that I think you can definitely tell the difference between people who were trained to sing music like that and people who haven't been trained to sing music like that. And I've seen a number of the in-concert films. There's a lot of different anniversary casts who have filmed a concert version of the musical. And I would argue that any of those are better than the movie, except for the one where Nick Jonas is playing Marius. Nick Jonas? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. It's bad. <laughs> so you have a problem with the casting of the movie, or not even the casting. You, you really have it against Russell Crowe. Yes, mostly. The other issue is more of just a technical issue, and it's something that all movie musicals struggle with to a degree. Because when you go and you see a musical on stage, there's a higher suspension of disbelief 
because of it happening live in front of you. When you're in a movie, they need to work harder to convince you that what's going on is real and like that it's believable. And so a lot of times movie musicals have to sort of make a choice whether they're going to sort of acknowledge that everyone's singing or not. And for Les Mis, that's really hard because everyone's singing the entire time. And so I think when it's when it's such an ingrained part of the story, they did a, a pretty good job at that. But the issue comes in that in wanting to preserve that like sort of authenticity, the director had the actors sing live, take after take after take after take, which isn't usually done when filming music, movie musicals. They usually lip sync to a backing track that was recorded in the studio. And with that, you have some pros because you get a more authentic sound, quote unquote. But the other problem is where you have Hugh Jackman dehydrated as anything so that he could get that sickly look singing these huge songs that are like so so difficult and then there's just the art of the music is sacrificed for the art of acting and i think that's definitely shows in especially anne hathaway's performance and hugh jackman's performance more toward the beginning where they're trying to sound too real and in doing so aren't sounding beautiful and doing then a disservice to the material in my opinion. so whereas the movie needs to be like these people are in france and they are dying of hunger you don't need to believe that on stage and so they can be they can be well hydrated they can be well fed they can they don't need to look dehydrated. You understand that it's not going to look real when it's on stage, whereas in a movie, they're trying to force that look on them so that they look the part, and therefore it also affects how they sing in some cases. Yeah, and I think, I'm trying to remember, though, there's one song that Hugh Jackman sings toward the beginning. It's like one of his first big songs as Jean Valjean, and he had been dehydrating himself like 48 hours or something because he mm. was his character was supposed to have just gotten out of prison and been severely malnourished, severely dehydrated. And so he did that to, to look very vascular and veiny and have his skin look thin and all of that, like very visceral, like, oh, this guy is sick sort of a look. But then he turns around and the director is making him sing his soliloquy like 30 times in a row, which is difficult for anyone. But then you add in the challenge of not having drunk water for like two days. And it's just, it's going to sound rough. Like, that's just the reality. So do you think that, I don't know who the director was, but do you think they didn't know how how to do a musical movie or how to do it well because they just were a movie director and that doesn't translate well to doing movie and musical at the same time? I'm not sure. I I don't know who directed it. I'm looking it up. Tom Hooper. Don't know who that is. But I think they could have struck a better balance. Like, I like to think of... <laughs> he did He did Cats. Oh, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I think you can strike a better balance. Like, you think of... I like to think of The Greatest Showman. And I think, even though I do have some qualms with that movie, I think they did a really beautiful job of kind of finding that balance better, of matching your suspension of disbelief while also making the music beautiful. Even in cases where the actresses weren't actually singing, like Never Enough, that isn't the actual actress singing. She's lip syncing to a whole other person's voice. But yet that scene and that song are so visceral and beautiful and full of emotion that you you believe it. And so I think they could have had a much better outcome overall if they would have taken that simple step of just letting the actors sing their best in a studio and then gone back and recorded it like most movie musicals. I just think the the idea of singing live 
is is fine as an idea, but an execution for a movie that's as big as Les Mis and for music that's as difficult as Les Mis, they just shouldn't have made that choice, especially just considering the health and safety of their actors' voices. Yeah. Yeah. I think, Monica, you have a much different perspective of this. Me, I just thought, wow, this is a really emotional movie. This is great. And and I guess I'm not nearly as critical of it as I as you are because you're like in musical. You're you're on stage singing like the people in Les Mis are. Do you have any musical roles, Annika? I guess I don't know much about like some of the roles you've played. She she played Gertrude in Susicle oh with almost no voice at all and was amazing. She did no, really well for almost not being able to talk and still pulling it out. She's she's in it, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> she won't say it, but I, I will. I actually fully believe that, actually. That's awesome. I have not had a, a bunch of like singing roles by myself. But I have been taking voice lessons consistently for about four years now. And so through that, you know, I'm obviously not the most experienced person. Like there's people who've been teaching voice for longer than I've been alive. Um, (laughs) But even in my experience with being taught and even just learning recently, I mean, we've had some brilliant vocal directors work with us here at University of Northwestern. And some of the greatest vocal directors are the ones who prioritize their actors as health. And it's it's not a kind of, well, do it for the art, like sacrifice your forever being able to sing for the art. And I, I think that's, I mean, that's obviously a much, much bigger conversation. But yeah, and I just think, I don't know, Seth, if you, if we want to take the time to listen to Norm Lewis singing stars, but you want it's to. just what I do. It's just so, <laughs> so good. And it's one of those things where it's just, I, I understand the movie musicals kind of need to stunt cast in a certain way so as to appeal to a mass audience. But on the other side of the issue is, or giving integrity to the story and to the beauty of the music. And I mean, it's just such a well-written show. It's so beautiful. And the way that melodies come back in to tell the story, like it really is just one of the best musicals I believe that's ever been written. And I just think that they didn't cast in a way that did justice to the source. Season returns and returns, and 
end is always the same. And if you fall as Lucifer fell, you fall in the flames. And so it must be, but so it is written on the <laughs> the other thing God. we could watch is Colm Wilkinson singing Bring Him Home is absolutely devastatingly, heartbreakingly beautiful. I thought Hugh Jackman nailed Bring Him Home. Oh, he did and not. He absolutely did not. What? <laughs> I got, I, guys, my bar is like on the ground compared to where Monica's is. Like, geez. Yeah, I mean, some real talent, and that's a little bit different talent than movie stars who can sing or even broadway stars who are brought onto movies it's it's i think broadway is the best of the best and i want to we can talk about like which which version is the best later but i want to start talking about the story because i i pitch that lame is is one of the best examples of the gospel in a story that is as popular as Les Mis, I would say. And part of it might even be intentional. I don't think it was, but it's definitely a story of redemption and forgiveness that is the core essence of of the entire fight between Javert versus Valjean, mm-hmm. just their conflict of not uh, Javert feeling like what Valjean has done deserves life and and he needs to hunt him down and everything and not only does he not forgive valjean but then valjean becomes this such gracious man through being the the, i believe the mayor of that town initially but then kind of has a realization of his own as he starts to parent cassette and then a boy comes in oh no a boy (laughs) and uh, he becomes very protective of her and and then he's he has a good heart and just this this battle so what do you guys think of the actual story regardless of movie or show or 25th anniversary versus 10th anniversary like what do you guys think well i've read the book I think it was an abridged version, oh, but I have read the book. Um, <laughs> and it definitely is, it's a very classical book. Like, it is very difficult to read through. It's one of those where Victor Hugo will spend two whole, like, pages describing the cobblestones on this random street. In <laughs> and so in that way, it's very difficult to get through. But yeah, I would argue that Les Mis is one of the best classical literature examples of a gospel story because you have Valjean, who's sort of the Christ figure. And then you have there, who's kind of analogous to the Pharisees in Jesus's time. And while we definitely see that Valjean had his failings in life, and his shortcomings you know he was redeemed from that by the priest who shows him mercy in a way no one else would and after that point is kind of when he becomes the savior figure of the story and he changes his life around and javert is more rooted in this idea that no one can change and once a criminal always a criminal and that there there can be no redemption and then when 
he, he chases Valjean for so many years as Valjean is bringing hope and joy and light to everyone he encounters. Like, honestly, in the books, Marius is a creep. Like, he sneaks up to Cosette's garden and just looks at her for, like, days on end. He, like, goes and she'll go and she'll sit and she'll read. And he... That's not Riz. <laughs> That's one thing Riz. I think the musical fix is making an actual love story and not just, like, sneaking into her garden at night to look at her. <laughs> Even in that way, and Valjean is is scared to let Marius into their lives because he, he doesn't trust him. He ends up saving Marius because he knows that it, it's what is going to make his daughter happy and is going to give her a stable life. And so then when he encounters Javert towards the end of the story and he doesn't kill Javert, Javert doesn't know what to do with the mercy that Valjean gave him because he's never been shown it and he's never shown it to anyone else. So that's why he ends up, you know, offing himself because he he just doesn't know what to do with grace and mercy and, and the way that that can change a person. And so I think it's really beautiful to see both ends of the spectrum of like this guy who accepted the mercy that was given to him and proceeded to give it to as many other people as he could compared against this guy who came from a really hard background, you know, grew up and then gained all this power and then refused to show mercy to anyone. And so I think it's it's just a, a beautiful illustration of how we need to accept God's grace and mercy, even though we know we don't deserve it. Otherwise, we'll just be living in bitterness for our whole entire lives. And ideally, we don't jump off a bridge, too. That would be... Right? <laughs> if we can't accept yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's also... Isn't that a difference between the movie and the and the original story? Is that in the movie is the only one where he goes off a bridge and the other one is a, is a gunshot? I honestly don't remember how he dies in the books. Here's I mean... my confession. I've only listened to the audio drama. <laughs> Um, Here's my confession. Guys, I only watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and um, the audio drama, the audio drama does Eponine so dirty. I mean, personally, mm. she's one of my most favorite characters. But in the audio drama, she just disappears. Like, mm. at least in the movie and the musical, she gets like this, like mini redemption arc of trying to save Marius and then failing. That's a side yeah. note. To piggyback off of what you were saying and how like this whole redemption story of Les Mis, that's kind of why I wanted to come on this episode, just because I love when a movie or any sort of story can add an effective redemption arc but this what Lamez does is it goes mm -hmm. a step further and it has two main ones and then it has one accepting a very pivotal point where yeah, the priest probably. gives Valjean like a second chance and gives gives him mercy that's a huge turning point there but then when Valjean ends up giving mercy to Javert it's it there's both two big points there and I love the contrast of both of them and I don't know any other story or anything that's given two redemption arcs and one ends up failing because of a lack of ability to accept mercy and I just think it's beautiful at least the way that the the movie is put it like you may you may disagree with that but I still think no. story-wise story-wise it's beautiful yeah, it's that part of the musical and the, the original stay very true. The other redemption story that I, I think is so beautiful is saving Fantine, 
from this life mm. that she's fallen into. And that's kind of the, the first big place where we see him <coughs> as kind of becoming the Redeemer figure, like kind of becoming the Christ figure in the story, is first he becomes this mayor and he runs a very benevolent city and he tries to do the good for the people in the city. But yet there are still people like Fontaine who fall through the cracks. And then but then when he finds her and he pulls her out of her, her life that she's fallen into, I think that that's so beautiful because it it illustrates what jesus you know he's willing to come into the mess that we've made of our own lives and you know when you feel like we're we've dug our hole way too deep and we've lost everything and there's nothing left to give like he comes in and he brings us out of that and he gives us love and he gives us care and he gives us healing and i think that's just one of the the most touching parts of the story amen i was gonna say bars but amen felt a little bit more (laughs) i think Valjean t- kind of turned into the King David figure. And I say that only because I just read mm. in my Bible reading the story mm. of Mephibosheth and his compassion towards mm-hmm. his enemy's grandson, I believe it was Jonathan's son, <clears throat> and just being the king and not necessarily having to worry with these peasants. And yet he knows the heart of a king is to be towards the lowliest of the lows as David. And Valjean also also shows that where he's not he's not better than them just because he is mayor and because he has his power and, and doesn't need it. And can he can delegate somebody to go do that and take care of that person, but he takes time yeah. and shows the heart to that person. And I think he he's definitely the Christ figure in the story, but he's also the David figure. He's an he's a analogy of David and and a man after God's own heart. Not not necessarily with those words, but also showing his shortcomings throughout the story and his his selfishness with yeah. Cassette and and other things along the way. Yeah, the other and I, just visual picture from the story that I think is so beautiful, and it's a much bigger part in the book. I feel like it kind of gets glazed over in other parts of the story, which is sad. But it's where he goes and he gets Marius from the barricade, and he he trudges him. Like, he carries him through the sewers, you know, just to get him out and get him to safety. And I think that's also just a beautiful picture of how Jesus came to earth and, you know, dragged us out of the muck and mire of our sin. And, like, what was it? In church the other day, Pastor Chris said, something is only ever worth what someone is willing to pay for it. And he's like, think about what Valjean was willing to to pay to get Marius to safety for the sake of his daughter, and then think of what Jesus was willing to pay in order to bring us back from our life of sin. So, and and that's our worth is in what <laughs> Jesus was willing to pay for us, which was everything he had. Yeah. So, yeah. Amen. I think this is an <laughs> amen episode today. Not a bars. Bars is no, bars, bars is a yeah. Bars is a a chill version of amen. Amen is its full yeah. glory. A- amen is full uh, glory. Now, I may not be as passionate about Lamez as Annika is, but I, gosh dang it, I am passionate about Jesus, and he's just awesome in any story that can even kind of portray that. I'm like, ah, that's great. I get so excited just being able to have a visual figure of even just a fraction of how awesome Jesus is with Valjean, and just his whole interaction with Fantine. Fantine? Or is it Fontaine? Fontaine. Fontaine? Josh, I think the French would, would roast you at the at the stake because of your butchering yeah. of their names. Yeah, I I'm thankful they're across an ocean right now. That's, that's it. They can get to you. I do have I do have a French quad mate, so let's just hope he's not listening in on this. Episode right now. But just the whole we'll go with Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. How about I call him that? Sure. Or, or Annika's gonna start shooting me. It's, there's no winning here for me. So just the whole interaction there between between those two characters is just beautiful 
and I don't cry for a lot of movies, which is actually probably a lie because I think I ran out of fingers a while ago on the amount of movies I've cried at. But there, when she gets humiliated with the very uncomfortable situation where she was assaulted, and after that, and then having Valjean come along and just embrace her, and ah, uh, I absolutely love that whole part now Anne Hathaway and Hugh Jackman I think it did a great job of acting it out because I was sitting in my chair crying when I watched it so I I think it did a good did the story justice in the acting at least maybe not the song but just the way that Jesus comes along and he embraces us with every bit of baggage that we have there's nothing that he can't handle we could have the worst story ever and he would still be there ready and willing to just embrace us with everything he has and i just think it's beautiful how lamez is able to kind of parallel that even if it's not intentional and i i'd like to clarify and say that i don't necessarily think it's a bad movie overall i think the acting performances are fine I think Anne Hathaway even won an Oscar for it, I think. Yeah, I she did. I check that. The acting is good. It's it's more the singing and the lack of vocal technique that I have issues with. Yeah. I think on the, on the note of the tone of the movie and the message is pretty much wrapped up in Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. That is shown from the priest to Valjean. While Valjean has been told, being in prison, that he's worthless for stealing a loaf of bread and has suffered this whole time because of his crime, quote-unquote. And the priest gives him all this grace and and telling him there's a better life and, and not condemning him. One, for a stupid crime, but that's just how France was. But Valjean and Javert are the epitome of... The villain saying, you're just like me. You just won't take the step of what you need to do. That whole monologue thing that <laughs> happens with, with villains versus yeah. heroes. But well, I think it's the difference... really quick. One second. In the song, The, diff- the Confrontation, <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> just, I want to interject before we get too far. In the song, The Confrontation, it's really hard to understand the lyrics because Valjean and Javert are talking over each other or singing over each other. Because it's me. And there's one part where he literally says, like, I was born in darkness, like Bane does from the Batman movie. <laughs> and I'd like to think that Christopher Nolan, when writing that dialogue, maybe referenced the dynamic of these two characters, but that's probably just something mm. I like to imagine. Yeah. It's probably not true. But, but no, it's the epitome of they're both on the same path, but what do they do with that? Javert continues in anger and, and hatred towards Valjean. And Javert, when shown grace, just doesn't know what to do with himself. He's like, the, like, people justice justice should be served and wanting the law to play out and and even if french law back then was was dumb he's like this is how it should be and can't comprehend being gracious to someone and then valjean when shown grace just melts and is like what is this and and decides that he needs to be giving that to others as well and that's when he becomes a better man a wealthy man and shows that grace to everyone and not Maybe not equally because we're, he was still human, but what he did with that is very telling and, and showing of what the story really is. Yeah. It, it yeah, really I'm... does show like what goes around comes around. Like the, it all started from the priest showing grace, and then that that pushed Valjean to show grace to other people. Like he saw what grace can be. In I, I just think it's awesome that he was able to use that as like almost motivation throughout the rest of the movie to just give grace and what goes around comes around even down to like the candlesticks like that's a physical representation where he didn't even use them he still had them at the very end just as a reminder and then eventually to help cassette and that man yeah that was beautiful that's another part of the story that i i 
I think the musical touches on it, but again, it goes into, it's much clearer in the, the books and the audio drama, is that not only does the bishop show Valjean grace the first time by just letting an ex-convict into his house, which you did not do at that point, by letting him stay in his house and trusting him, but then Valjean tries to steal the silverware and run away, and the guards bring him back. And they're like, this guy stole from you, the bishop. And the bishop was like, oh, no, I gave him these. But you forgot the candlesticks as well. So he's giving him grace upon grace Mm -hmm. and showing him, like, not only just just backing up his story, which he actually is lying. He did steal the silverware. But then he's like, oh, but you forgot this extra thing that I'm giving you now. And not only does that get him out of the clutches of the, the law this time, but that's really the action that spurs Valjean on become this new person that he decides to become and again just once again another amazing gospel analogy of like not only did god save us from the situation we were in but then he gives us his spirit so that we can be truly changed leave that life behind and become something totally new Cool. Th- this whole this whole talk is reminding me of a movie. Have you guys seen Counto Monte Cristo? What have you? Actually, I haven't seen it, but I read the know? book in high school. Believe it or not, I have also read the book. Whoa, guys! <laughs> Mic drop, right? Yeah, that's not usually something Josh does. That's I think that's another one that we should talk on because Lemes and Counto Monte Cristo have like a lot of similarities as long as far as themes go, at least. And I think it'd be another good one to kind of have this sort of talk with. Annika, I feel like you might enjoy that. If you were to watch the movie as long as as well as reading the book, I think it'd be a lot of good input. Yeah, I mean, it's The been movie's a while, really but... old, isn't it? Oh, it's 2002. Who's yeah. in it? It's older than me. It's got Jim Caviezel in it. It does. And Henry it's Cavill? It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Dang. Jesus and Superman teaming up. Annika's really on board now. Annika's really on board. <laughs> Don't ask Kendra how much <laughs> yeah. I love Kendra- Henry Cavill. Yeah. Don't get me started. He's a nerd, too. He plays video games. <laughs> we were just talking about how it was so frustrating how to, frustrating how he got snubbed with both Superman and The Witcher recently. But he's going to be in Argyle. And I'm so stoked to see Argyle. I think next week is when it comes out. And probably, well, it would be this week by the time you, everyone's listening to it. But Argyle is one of those, like, it feels like it's a riddle story. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's it looks like a lot of fun. Anyways. I remember distinctly one time when I was reading the book, it's, and I, it's been a long time, so the, the real nerds might come for me. But if I remember correctly, Marius, like, comes and sneaks up to meet Cosette, like, in her garden. And at some point she figures it out or something, or she knows that he's going to come see her. And there's a line that's like, she put on her dress that looked like it had received, or it, like the tailor had cut off a little too much. And so she's like purposefully being oh, like, oh, he's coming to see me. <laughs> <laughs> it's something like yeah, that. And geez. I remember just laughing because I thought it was, it was a very like old timey way of saying she put on her low cut top. Like, that was my favorite part. The or dress the, the... that had received a little too many strokes of the scissors or something like that. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That's um, funny. That's good. Another thing that I, again, if I remember correctly, Victor Hugo came to Christ while writing Les Mis. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was one of those stories where he he kind of set out to write an anti-gospel story or sort of like really a total opposite of what Les Mis ended up being. But as he wrote, he was discovering 
the truth and the beauty. I'm looking it up right now to make sure I'm right. Because I, I feel like I remember that that was the story is that he, he started out writing it as being a very bleak sort of realistic view of the world and then as he discovered jesus he sort of discovered the gospel and then wrote the gospel into the story hmm. wow I, I believe it if if you didn't have to prove it i would probably believe it because it's just so gospel centered mm -hmm. yeah it's a very compelling story too like i can't mm -hmm. imagine that he was writing it and not and didn't think that this is gonna be a good one you know <laughs> i feel like he had to be thinking while he was working on it that this is this is powerful you know yeah and i think even with this story it's a little more blunt but it's it's very obvious that the story is one that's so attractive and and we love it so much because of the redemption because of the grace aspect of it because that's what actually happened jesus was jesus showed us grace and and grace on top of grace to the point of of dying for us on the on the cross and that was his ultimate sacrifice play valjean didn't sacrifice himself in death but he sacrificed everything for the people he loved or risk it risked it at least and that that amount of grace that we really don't we're, we're embarrassed to be like man i don't show that much i don't i don't give away all my money to the to the person who's in who's down on their luck in in sex work like that's we're not that gracious to give all that stuff so it's it's compelling for us to maybe be that type of gracious to be that reflection of christ but also it, it's attractive because of this god-sized hole that we have in our heart that is can only be filled by God and part of it's partially filled with the truth of the story even though the story itself isn't is still fictional but the the truth of the story is still the gospel well and also again another thing that I think the musical sort of blazes over is that it is saving Marius from the sewers ends up killing Valjean because he gets an infection from all of the the grossness down there and then he also leaves Cosette like he basically cuts her off because he knows I, I think if I remember correctly again it's been a very long time he doesn't know for a while that Javert killed himself so he thinks Javert is still out there and that he's coming for him so he basically cuts Cosette off and lets her be with Marius because he doesn't want her life to be ruined if the law comes and catches up to him. So he basically cuts her off and removes himself from her life. And like in the end, he doesn't die alone, but he lives many of his last days alone. He's trying to save her. And so in, in a way, he does end up making that ultimate sacrifice, even though it's more of a, a long-term thing than like, I don't know, running in front of a bullet or a sword for someone. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious what, I, I think Annika probably already said it, but, and maybe this is just a question for Annika because she only, she knows all of them and Josh only knows one of them. What's the favorite song from whatever version? And Annika obviously has the most scope of it, but yeah. Josh, what is your favorite song, at least from the soundtrack, regardless of, I mean, you only have the movie. I, I am a strong believer in Bring Him Home. I think it's yeah. beautiful, and I think it's the best song there because no. in the movie, in the movie, in the movie. Then again, Annika, <laughs> you did just show us who, who was it that that sang that song? Norm Lewis. Norm Lewis. He he cooked. Uh, <laughs> put it in modern terms. As the kids <laughs> For say. lack of a better word, I'm in college way too much. He he nailed it, and he was beautiful. But I still really do enjoy Hugh Jackman's performance for Bring Him Home because there's a lot of emotion there, and I think. When I, if I listen to the song, which doesn't happen very often because I've got to be in a very specific mood for it, but I, I will be thinking of that part of the story and just how amazing the story is in that song, too. And I think it ties it in really well, too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for um, me, it would definitely be Cole Wilkinson singing Bring Him Home and Carrie Hope Fletcher singing I Dreamed a Dream. It's just absolutely stunning renditions of both of those songs. And it just, yeah, there's there's few thing, things better out there. But I think overall, one of my favorite songs is Valjean's soliloquy that he sings at the beginning. It's kind of the, the, the first big turning point. And some of the lyrics in that song are just so, so poignant. And it's, I think that song in particular is the clearest way that the writers of the music sort of adapted the, the heart of the story into the music. And there's a lot of lyrics about redemption and the very last line is Jean Valjean is nothing now another story must begin and most adaptations they have him tearing up his yellow passport which is what like designated him as an ex-convict and it's it's really that's really the song that like kicks off the story and we start getting into the heart of the story and I just think that it's the best song that that takes that gospel story puts it in the song form shows the inner turmoil of like i don't deserve this mercy and the second chance but yet i have it what do i do now and mm-hmm. it's just it's an incredible song the music is so well written man there's so many good ones it's it's a really well-written musical regardless of which which one you listen to just Since the it's all a melodies. song you could just say lame is, just <laughs> lame is, is your song. the whole thing it's technically an operetta i like uh do you hear the people sing for the the marching all together now just uh, tally ho everybody that's not my favorite a huge it's got marvel that. nerd would say that it's like the avengers <laughs> assemble of lame assemble. Is, is it yeah, it is. <laughs> well, that actually, and one day more i would I argue one, one day, day more is the best act one finale song Mm. that has ever been Uh, written for any musical that i've ever heard i would agree with you but only because i haven't listened to many act one finales (laughs) (laughs) so i trust you more on that but i definitely love love one day more and i think we talked Mm -hmm. about oh no it was because william had it in his soundtrack episode and i don't know if i played the right version i'm sorry but the (laughs) the one day more just is so grand and everyone together and and it's it's the it's the where is everybody at in the story that's that's a really good part of it catching everyone up it's it's well written It, it all blends together even though there's 10 different parts singing or whatever all all culminating in the grand final note that just you can't help but applause every time as long as it's done well of course Mm -hmm. but yeah and then i think and then i i sang empty chairs at empty tables for a cabaret that we did a while ago and that one is not my favorite but i still like it because it was my song for a while and then stars actually will sang stars for that same cabaret wasn't as good as norm lewis sorry will i know you like that that one but norm lewis he's got a couple years on you a little bit more experience <laughs> he's probably been you know singing since he was like i don't know two he's like yeah all of these are really good so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna just say one day more is my favorite you're picking through gold that's yeah. the thing though yeah there's only a couple like... of skips on any album that you listen to and those for What's me are skip? just more like oh master of the house <laughs> makes me feel icky i actually yeah. okay justice for for lovely ladies okay this is another issue i have with the movie lovely ladies in the movie is almost no. too much to the point where the sexuality of these women becomes the focus where mm. the yeah. real point of the song is these women who are so desperate that they've fallen to such a low place 
and I think in the movie it kind of glorifies it and kind of glorifies this world when really the point of the song is to show how how horrible this society is for women and how if you lose your job you don't really have anything else and so it's really really a heartbreaking song I think when it's done well even though it is more on the raunchy side if it's done well you sort of see this arc of like these women who are putting up a front and then at the end you just you see the brokenness and you see the sadness and so justice for lovely ladies is what i'm gonna say yeah that's good one thing that i didn't realize until looking at the cast list the tenadiers was helena bottom carter and sasha baron cohen like that that is kind of turning over into satirical where you know that they're gonna be over the top Tenadiers, like that's gonna that's what the characters are is just greedy and and gross and like makes you feel something and like those two characters i, I think those were good casts maybe not for me singing but they they fit I the think part they were, they were two of the casting that i actually really enjoyed just because the Tenadiers don't have to be good singers necessarily mm-hmm. they i mean obviously vocal good vocal technique is gonna end up in a better song overall but they had that sort of like I don't know, just that quality that I think you you need to, to play those characters. So I didn't have a problem with that casting at all. I thought they were great. Yeah, I also but. didn't realize, I mean, obviously there's there's the big name, Hugh Jackman, Anna Hathaway, Eddie Raymond, Russell Crowe. I know Amanda Seyfried is is a big name, but I just didn't realize that she was Cosette, which is, she, I mean, yeah. Skilled. And she was, she was the Mamma Mia girl, right? Mm-hmm. I know some people don't like that. I'm calling her the Mamma Mia girl, but <laughs> one of one of my roommates just came in. Seth, you know him, Ethan. He came in with a kazoo and started playing "Careless Whisper" on the kazoo to me. <laughs> wow, that's something. He is. He is a character. He's a lot. Love He's. I love the guy so much. I'll I'll be I'll ask him if I can go to the dining hall with him just because it's so much fun. After like eight thirty, his ADHD meds wear off, and that's when that's when stuff kicks in. So okay, quick story. I asked him if he wants to go get food, and yesterday he didn't take his ADHD pills at all. Oh, so no. just all day we're getting raw, unfiltered Ethan, and it was. We go to the rot. It's like four o'clock, and he grabs his bathrobe naturally, his walking stick his slippers because it's the dining hall we don't need to dress up and on the way he finds a a towel that's just on the side he puts it over his head and then he starts walking around up to people is like hi would you spare some calories for the poor and once they say no he just walks away but he doesn't walk away normally that's what's crazy social anxiety is afraid of him He, he is social anxiety. He's the giver of social anxiety. It's, it's amazing. I absolutely love him. Oh, okay, Josh, have your be ready to have your mind blown again. I'm turning my my headset up.
There's another 20 seconds of applause. That is wow. vocal technique at its finest. God like, you do not understand how difficult that song is. And to nail it like that is astonishing. Like, even Annika, you can know musical technique, but especially even for a guy who sings tenor, I know that switching between tenor and chest voice that quickly at least for me, is very difficult. And I'm sure with a higher range song and a higher, you know, status song like that, like that's even more difficult. So very impressive. And just holding that note, I know that I struggle at holding long notes consistently without shaking. So man, just talk to you. I understand. I was just thinking, breathe. Come on, man. (laughs) They don't do that. Broadway people don't do that. (laughs) The the control that people like that have over their voices is absolutely insane. And I I think that that's obviously, again, I understand that studios need to hire big names in order to sell tickets to musicals. Like there's even this whole discourse going online right now about the Mean Girls movie and Willy Wonka Mm. and how they kind of hid the fact that those movies were musicals. And because musical movies don't tend to sell well, like Greatest Showman was really kind of an exception and Les Mis was kind of an exception because it had so many big names. 
So I understand the necessity of needing to hire big names. But honestly, if anyone is interested in just hearing the beauty of the music of Les Mis, I think there's plenty of concert versions up on YouTube for free or for very cheap that they have choirs of hundreds of people singing the background vocals. And then they have these casts of incredible performers. And you can just put it on. You can just listen to almost three hours of just flawless music and flawless performances so highly recommend looking up pretty much any of the anniversary casks except for the one with nick jonas playing mary's because <laughs> i think i know what josh is going to be doing for a while now that he's introduced to this guys i i thought Les Mis was good i thought the movie was good <laughs> now, now hanukkah's telling me that i'm only i'm i'm only like four shovelfuls deep into a, a freaking mine i gotta get caught up there's so much stuff i need to catch up on annika the real question is have you seen the 1935 les mis i'm just seeing it here on youtube it says it's just a it just it says les miserables 1935 i I didn't know it existed i doubt it's a musical because i don't know that musicals were really a thing in the 30s tell me i'm wrong but yeah at least not to the extent that they are now i don't know exactly when it was written but it definitely isn't that old i think it was actually it was originally written in another language um i guess french there's a clip and then it was yeah it was translated into english i mean it's been around for a long long time it looks like a 30s movie like uh i can see it just gives you the first two two and a half minutes of the movie and you can see valjean is basically he's in a jail cell that has bars about this wide apart so he's sticking his body out from the bars that are about here which you could easily slide through this way so it's a it's not meant to be realistic it's the 30s they didn't really know what they were doing but i was just curious well apparently there are way better versions to listen to than the movie i'm sorry if you like the movie especially you josh apparently it's not that good i I feel like i feel like i'm the one who needs to to give out an apology because i just didn't know i was missing out on just amazing performances like that yeah well okay here's the thing i know you like to link resources and stuff in your bio i believe sideways has a video or a video essay on les mis and why the music is not as good as it could have been and it's a really good video so if you want to link that just to sort of explain more in depth and with more of a better understanding of music theory than i'm able to provide that video is a really really great resource i think it's sideways it actually, either that or it's schaeferless but i don't know i'm sure schaeferless probably has one as well but it says i've watched the sideways one so yeah thank you guys for joining me for this episode i really liked it i think there's a lot to take away yeah. from this, this this story and and man is it deep so with that said thank you guys for listening make sure you join our discord follow our socials and listen every week because we'll have another one coming out next week for this foreseeable future <laughs> thanks for listening have a great rest of your week know that you're loved god bless peace out brethren bye Oh, Josh. (laughs) 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 Not the green screen. No.